0: Welcome to the Bridge Builder Program, an initiative of the Minnesota Catholic Conference, where we help you live your faith in the public arena. I'm Jason Adkins, Executive Director of the Minnesota Catholic Conference, and joining me in studio is our producer and Minnesota Catholic Conference Communications Manager, Kit Cross. Hey, Kit.
1: Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. I hope that you're having a very blessed day.
0: You can catch the Bridge Builder each week right here at the same time on your favorite Catholic radio station. But if you miss an episode or want to catch up on past episodes, Visit us at mncatholic.org/slash podcast. Again, that's mncatholic.org slash podcast or find us on your favorite podcast app, such as SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Each week we try to bring you great interviews on some of the major issues impacting the public arena. We also answer your questions in our mailbag segment. You can always email those to us at show at mncatholic.org. Again, that's show at mncatholic.org or contact us on social media. And it wouldn't be the bridge builder if we didn't provide you with a practical way that you can start laying the bricks to build the common good. The common good is built brick by brick. In today's episode, we're discussing the ethics and politics of surrogacy, egg donation, and assisted reproduction. We have in studio with us one of our great friends, allies, and an inspiring warrior, on these questions, Jennifer Lal is the president and founder of the Center for Bioethics and Culture. She's the producer of very fine documentaries on assisted reproduction topics such as exploitation, breeders, and Anonymous Father's Day. These are fascinating and informative films, and I can't recommend them enough. Jennifer goes around the country speaking, talking, testifying, meeting with folks, and helping them understand the dynamics of assisted reproduction and helping people understand how they play out in public life we are very blessed and glad to have jennifer with us in studio today as she's in town to speak at the university of st thomas and a parish locally st odelia and then also work with us and meet with some legislators to talk about surrogacy and assisted reproduction jennifer welcome to the bridge builder program
2: great thanks jason thanks for having me
0: What inspired you to start getting involved in assisted reproduction? I should have mentioned in the opening that you're a nurse by training and you've worked um, in nursing for a number of years, and this is a second career for you. But what inspired you to transition into the public policy arena and and talk about um, assisted reproduction and culture and public life?
2: As a nurse, I really saw some shifts in medicine that were sort of troublesome to me. You know, that there was a lot of scientific medical breakthroughs, advancements, and maybe not the ethical reflection and formation around those advancements. So I went back to graduate school and pursued a degree in bioethics so I could really better understand um, the ethics of modern technology. And assisted reproduction is one of those modern technologies.
0: Some people believe that technology gives us all kinds of new possibilities and that if it can create life and all life is a gift, it's a good thing. And so why shouldn't we just unleash the power of technology to address issues like infertility?
2: Well, yeah. I mean, I'm not a Luddite. I'm not anti-technology. I actually took, took a plane to get here to Minnesota. Um, but, you know, at, at what expense? And there's, you know, this notion that sometimes technology is neutral Um, or that because technology is here it's inherently good and that means that we can access it. And in the space of assisted reproduction in my writings and my travels, I started meeting lots of women who'd been harmed by these technologies. And so part of what motivates me as a nurse is the injustices um, that maybe a technology that will benefit and help somebody, perhaps in this case have a baby, um, often hurts somebody else in that process.
0: Say a little bit more about how people actually can be hurt at the process. I think sometimes it's forgotten that in this, what some people see as a benefit that some are receiving, that there are other people in the process and we need to think about them, their needs, and the injustices that might be perpetrated by these things.
2: Well, two particular instances in my work. One is the young woman who often finds herself a college student bombarded with ads to donate her eggs. In fact, these women aren't donating them at all. They're being offered large sums of money. They're healthy women. They have no medical reason to take high-dose fertilities, undergo a surgical procedure to remove their eggs. And I've met many, many women who have been seriously harmed by doing um, egg donation, uh, women who've lost their own ability to have their own children, women who have gone on to develop breast cancers, women who have suffered stroke, massive strokes. I mean, these are significant medical risks. So again, keeping in mind that the egg donor is just a young, healthy woman who's being lured by a, a, an ad to be an angel, help people do this wonderful thing. And oh, by the way, we're going to pay you you know, $10,000. Um, similarly, in the same case, uh, in my travels, I've met surrogate mothers who thought that they were doing a good thing, who were sympathetic to infertile couples, people who couldn't have children, um, only to find out that they suffered significant harm. Oftentimes it's physical harm. Sometimes it's emotional and um, mental harm, you know, treated like a breeder, the name of one of our films. You know, they're ordered, they're told, you work for us. Um, they they regret, they miss a child, they bond with children that they are told by contract they have to surrender. And again, the the, the fact that these people are doing this Um, with money incentives um, is hugely troubling to me as a nurse.
0: You've said a little bit about the way in which um, women can be exploited by assisted reproduction, whether it's uh, egg donation or surrogacy, but there are also serious health risks to assisted reproduction participating in these processes as well.
2: Absolutely, and and because I do have a nursing background, I'm constantly watching the medical literature and looking for the the latest studies that come out. And you know, we've had a couple of very important studies come out, and and you know. Uh, prominent medical journals that point to the risk of the, the surrogate mother in particular, and that these are high-risk pregnancies. Um, and if the mother who's pregnant is in a high-risk pregnancy, that means the baby or babies that she's carrying are also at risk. Uh, you know, again, back to my my years of pediatric critical care nursing, you know, when the, when the mother's sick, the babies are at risk as well.
0: You been recently were in South Dakota and have been, among other places, testifying in favor of bans on commercial surrogacy transactions, but also talking about surrogacy generally and educating legislators and the public about that. What are some of the responses that you're receiving and the pushback that you get when you do testify?
2: Well, overwhelmingly, the responses are most people, and probably similar to the listeners that are listening to us talking today. Um, you know, people don't realize that this is harmful. Um, they they think, oh, helping somebody have a baby, uh, donating eggs. Um, you know, that sounds like a good thing. So, overwhelmingly, I find people to be, um, sadly, very under or uninformed, or just misinformed. And that translates to people in the public as well as our lawmakers. Um, Our lawmakers are also not terribly up to speed on the real risks and harms. The pushback always comes from the people who are making money, so big fertility, lawyers who broker contracts, fertility agencies, you know, they're in the business of matchmaking, if you will, people that want babies with people who are being encouraged to sell their eggs and or rent their wombs. So we always get pushed back from, the, you know, the moneyed interest, you know, the, this saying follow the money really applies here. And of course, you know, the people that have children because a nice woman donated her eggs or offered her womb to be a surrogate mother. So you get the, you know, the real true heart-wrenching stories of couples who have a baby now, and they say, well, are you saying there's something wrong with this child? This child shouldn't be here. Of course, we're not saying that. We're just saying we don't want to risk other women's health or lives in order for somebody else to have a baby.
0: Sometimes people may think of surrogacy, for example, as a merely local transaction where you have a local couple who is infertile, who seeks to work with a local surrogate, and the reproductive material, as the term goes, uh, comes from either the intended parents or from a local sperm bank, but surrogacy and assisted reproduction is a global business and a global phenomenon. Can you just describe kind of the ecosystem of the global surrogacy industry?
2: Yeah, it's it's a massive, um, multi-multi-billion dollar a year global enterprise, you know, egg, sperm, Embryos are really tiny. They're easy to freeze and can be shipped um, and sold all over the world. Uh, if just Google World Egg Bank. you know There's quite a few agencies that are trying to be the World Egg Bank. They want to be the largest provider of eggs to the world. Uh, California, in particular California Cryobank, is one of the largest sperm providers to the world. Um, so there's, uh, you know, there's moneyed interest to become, you know, the largest provider of, of egg, sperm, and, and also surrogate mothers. Because it's a patchwork of legislation, um, that also encourages sort of the reproductive trafficking and the reproductive tourism. I live in California, which I fondly refer to as the wild, wild west of reproductive medicine, where people from countries Um, where all of this is illegal, flock to California, where California is very surrogacy friendly. Uh, So the Chinese, for example, will often come to California because surrogacy is illegal in China. And the Chinese come to California because they we will help them navigate getting that baby back to China, who also comes with a U.S. citizen's um, status. So there is a lot of tourism and trafficking. So it's naive to think that if this is just happening in Minnesota it only impacts women in Minnesota and intended parents in Minnesota, it's not true.
0: It's interesting that oftentimes people uh, will push will say that uh, the opposition to enabling more surrogacy in our state or wherever is it's just, well, just conservative Christians who want to tell women what to do with their bodies. But in the places where surrogacy is illegal around the country, we've never considered these places conservative or particularly Christian, whether it's Western Europe, Canada, China, developing countries that aren't Christian are closing their borders to surrogacy. And you've actually built some interesting and perhaps uh, unexpected alliances with feminists and other others about these issues. Help us shape kind of the, or get a better sense of the the politics of surrogacy in terms of the allies and alliances that are built.
2: Yeah. And I sometimes, you know, um, I'll t- take a swat at the media, if you will. And sometimes it's just a matter of just lazy reporting, because I will want to sometimes scream... Um, when there's a, a piece written on a piece of legislation, and the media will say, "and the Catholic Church is against this" or mm-hmm. something like that, and you know, and I just say that's the sloppy, lazy re- reporting, or perhaps it's malicious, on purpose reporting. I don't know, uh, but yeah, you might I, think that we could not <laughs>
0: possibly comment. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but I, 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 do work with a very, very wide range of people. I work with, you know, gay men who absolutely 100% uh, do not agree that surrogacy is a good thing or egg donation is a good thing. You know, they they don't want to see women harmed and exploited. I work with lesbian feminists, radical feminists, who absolutely are against the exploitation of women. They they understand that this is lower income women, um, in especially in countries like the global south, really truly impoverished women who are going to be, you know, putting their, their life and their health at risk for um, a little bit of money to sort of help them because of their economic uh, need. So I think it's unfortunate Fortunate that people don't really report on um, the fact that there's so many reasons where all people of goodwill who are concerned about the health and well-being of women and children um, can come together on these issues, and so we built an international campaign called "Stop Surrogacy Now," which is very, very diverse.
0: It, have you encountered issues of trust or you know people who are nervous about teaming up with non-traditional allies in this debate and this dialogue and how have you been able to build trust among non-traditional
2: allies yeah yeah i mean i i get that all the time. Um, you know. I speak to all kinds of audiences and it makes people nervous that I'm on Catholic radio right now and, and I'm not a Catholic. Um, but I, I remind my true friends who are very diverse that I will go anywhere and speak with anybody and work with anybody who wants to work with me on these issues because I care so deeply about them. Um, and, and one thing happens when you become real true friends with people, they do trust you mm-hmm. um, and they, they, they understand that you are the true the real deal and you're not using people as political puppets or, or you know using people for some kind of you know ends to some means but that you are you are building relationships and friendships and true allies
0: and as we like to say building common ground for the common good we're not going to necessarily agree with everyone on every issue but yeah. we can work together on ways that protect the dignity of the human person.
2: And your show is Building Bridges. There you go. You know, and, and I always say, <laughs> I, I consider myself a peacemaker, and part of building bridges is making peace with people and saying, you know, we don't agree on these issues over here, uh, but for such a time where there's an urgent thing that's facing us, and to me, surrogacy and egg trafficking, um, these are urgent matters, they're pressing issues that, you know, are being debated all around the world, let's come together and, and get the job done.
0: You do something that many advocates for the the right things, as I like to say, aren't doing, which is relying on stories. Um, and you know, there's many advocates out there who are like, "Well, if we just get the facts in pr- in front of people, that's going to sway folks." As though everyone just makes decisions in a rational sort of economic calculus, and is just give me the data, and people will find the right answer. And it just isn't that way because we're human beings, and facts tell, but stories sell. How did you hit on the the documentary model of? Uh, advocacy and telling stories and why do telling good stories, why does that matter in the advocacy world and just changing the culture generally?
2: I remember the pinpoint moment I had just gone to the state of Kansas to testify in a hearing that would ban the payment of eggs to young, young women. I had invited a young woman to go with me to testify in that hearing because she was a PhD student at the University of Kansas and sold her eggs and almost died. Um, immediately after having her eggs harvested. And I remember how she was treated so horribly in that hearing in the state of Kansas, Um, how dismissive people were of her story, which she told without an ax to grind. Um, She was truly there to help change a law that would make other women not suffer how she suffered. And when we got on the plane later that day to fly back to California, I just looked at her and I said, we need to make a film. And would you be willing if I And I'd never made a film before in my life. And I said, would you be willing to be in the film if I made a film? And she said, absolutely. Because I said, the world needs to hear what these legislators just dismissed. And and we're going to make exploitation. And we made that film in a weekend. And I reached out to a couple of other egg donors who had already contacted me. They found me on the internet because I was out there talking about the risks and harms, and they agreed to be in the film, and that's sort of was the beginning. And that film won Best Documentary in the California Independent Film Festival, which of course really made Big Fertility mad, because not only had we made a film, but we made a film that won a, a pretty prestigious real real film award. Indeed. And so that, that's sort of what we went, aha, that's what we're gonna do.
0: Sometimes we say, you know, the goal of communication is to first discern what you want people to think, feel, and do when they see, hear, or, um, you know, encounter that information. What, what is the guiding spirit behind the films? What, how would you answer that question? When someone watches Breeders, what do you want them to think, feel, and do?
2: Well, first, I want because we are an educational group, and like I said earlier, people are just woefully uninformed. They Mm -hmm. don't realize that these are really risky things that we're asking women to do. So immediately, I want them to think, ah, I have new information, Um, and then I, I need to act on that new information. I need to change my opinion. I need to better understand. So when I see lawmakers wanting to perhaps ban commercial surrogacy, I won't think that they're just you know, busybodies in people's bedrooms trying to tell people, uh, you know, how they can build their families um, so so that they will have some kind of a public conscience raising moment. Now, I always tell people, play to your strengths. You know, some people are more activist oriented. Some people are great op-ed letters to editors. Some people want to burn the phone line. Some people want to organize their, their community, their church, their small groups. So the action item, I always tell people, play to your strengths because people are called, um, to do different things, Correct. we all can't yeah. be doing the same thing.
0: Mm-hmm. What's at stake for Minnesota as we continue to debate the ethics of surrogacy? the in the fertility industry, big fertility, as you called it, has come to our legislature now for two decades saying we need a legal framework mostly to ensure that the contracts that surrogacy brokers and intended parents and lawyers make those will be enforced and that the baby that they bargain for will be given to them at the end of that arrangement but what's at stake is it is is it possible that you know what does it mean for minnesota to become a part of that global surrogacy industry are we going to see the advent of more brokers uh will more women participate in the process what's what what do you see happening were minnesota to adopt Uh, the surrogacy industry's proposal here?
2: You you have to look no further than my state of California, which has adopted a highly regulated, however, surrogacy-friendly, egg-selling-friendly environment. Um, You know, a little over two weeks ago, we had a surrogate mother in San Diego, California, die. She was doing her second surrogacy for the same family. They came back to her and asked her, if they were ready for a second child, would you do it again? And she happily helped them. And now her husband and her two small children don't have her anymore. Uh, Of the three surrogacy deaths in the last several years, few years in the United States, two of them have been in California. You know, one of the surrogacy cases in my state went all the way to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court did not hear the case. But so when you look at a state where we've allowed big big fertility to come in under this um, false notion that regulation um, protects, it doesn't. So, I think uh, California is a really good example of how poorly regulation um, helps uh, the surrogate mothers and, and the egg providers.
0: This is a really tough question. I'm going to preface it with that. But the paradigm for many people, just the gut instinct when you hear these stories is, wow, people are suffering from the pain of infertility technology can give them and surrogacy and all these things can give them new possibilities and open up the ability to have a family what have you found is perhaps that one conceptual change or paradigm shifting idea thought principle that gets people moving and thinking about this differently
2: i i use the comparison often of organ donation you know in the just brief period of time that you and i have been chatting here probably one person has died in America waiting for an organ transplant, and two people have been added just to the kidney donation waiting list. And we, we know that people are literally dying, and, but as a matter of policy and protections and ethics, we have not changed the system of organ donation in the United States to a model of buying and selling of organs. And why is that? Because we know it will be the wealthy that will be able to buy. It will be the low-income Uh, economically vulnerable that would be incented to sell. Um, If you're poor and you need a kidney, you won't be able to buy one. Um, You really will be having to hope and wait that, you know, one just becomes available uh, in the spirit of altruism. And so while I'm incredibly sympathetic to anybody who can't have a child and and wants a child, there's still lines that we don't cross in order to help you achieve that that dream or that want. And for me, the bright line is we don't allow you to go... um, hire a woman to you know purchase eggs from her or rent her her womb that is a bright line we don't harm and risk the health of somebody else because you want somebody something so desperately
0: women are not for rent and children are not for sale preach it indeed amen Jennifer where else can where can people go to find out more about your work i'd love to sit here all day and chat with you but where can we send our listeners to learn more about your work and your films?
2: Yeah, our website. It's chock full of resources. It's cbc-network.org. Um, you can find links to how you can watch all of our films, which are all available on Amazon. You can watch them for free if you're a Prime member. But, you know, we are, our website is just chock full of, of information.
0: Jennifer Lal has joined us today on the Bridge Builder program. Not only is she one of the nation's foremost advocates for justice for women, uh, preventing the exploitation of women and the commodification of children, she is one of the global experts and leading advocates. We are blessed and privileged to have her on the Bridge Builder. Jennifer, thanks for joining us, and God bless your work. We'll be back in a moment with the mailbag segment. Welcome back to The Bridge Builder, where we help you connect your Catholic faith and public life. I'm Jason Adkins, Executive Director of the Minnesota Catholic Conference, and now it's time to delve into our mailbag to hear what comments and questions you've been sending our way. And we have some on-topic questions based on uh, having Jennifer Law as our guest today.
1: Yeah, this week we have a couple of questions to continue that conversation of surrogacy, fertility issues. Uh, The first question asks about a bill It's called the Surrogacy Abuse Prevention Act, and it aims to ban for-profit commercial surrogacy in Minnesota. So the listener wants to know, why does this bill not try to ban all forms of surrogacy instead of just commercial surrogacy? And our second question asks about the church's teaching on surrogacy and in vitro fertilization as wrong. So what options are there for couples facing infertility since the church teaches that we can't go about this in those banners.
0: Thanks for those questions, Kit. First of all, the Kedvinist at Catholic conference is advocating for the passage of the Surrogacy Abuse Prevention Act. It's an alternative for legislators uh, to create the right regulatory framework and eliminate the most uh, exploitative practices of big fertility. That bill number is House File 1000 and Senate File 1152, Listeners can go to our action center, mncatholic.org, and click on Take Action, and they can send their legislator a action alert request asking them to co-author that bill, and that would be absolutely fantastic. But it does create a regulatory framework and eliminate the practice of commercial surrogacy, um, where socioeconomically disadvantaged women are paid uh, in a way that uh, provides them compensation. Uh, and the surrogacy industry has said, in legislative hearings that if it weren't for this compensation, women wouldn't serve to be, wouldn't participate, generally speaking, as surrogates. So we know it's women who are vulnerable, they need the money. And it's, as Jennifer Lal was saying earlier in our segment, uh, engaging in a practice that's detrimental to their health in many instances. And so we want to curtail that practice, put protections in place for those surrogacy arrangements that already are happening here in Minnesota and in limited numbers. We'd love to, as the Catholic Church, we think surrogacy in all its forms is unethical, but we want to create uh, a legislative framework that it prevents the worst abuses of the industry and protects women and prevents the commodification of children turning children into a product that is bought and sold and that's where we have really seen that legislators want to land we're confident that if that were to be put for a vote today that would pass but that's not how the process works you have to get through committees and two houses of the legislature signed by the governor etc cetera, etc cetera. so like the, the The legislative process can be a long and arduous one, but we think that's really where common sense, common ground legislation can be built that prevents the exploitative practices of big fertility. Now, your second question is, well, what do we do if we say no to something? What can we say yes to? And I think that for people struggling with infertility, and that can be for a number of reasons, there are certainly a, a lot of options, but a couple I'll just highlight here. Pope Paul VI Institute out of Omaha, Nebraska, has uh, treatment and um, practices and counsel that they can give for infertility. There's something called NAPRO technology that often is really helpful in addressing women who struggle with fertility and women who are trying to conceive. Uh, But also there are uh, issues um, with male infertility as well, and those can be addressed at places like the Pope Paul VI Institute out of Omaha, but we have to also recognize the importance of adoption, that adoption is an important way uh, to serve kids in need, and there are kids looking for families, not just newborns. Um, And those are certainly um, present, and you hear about newborns, uh, whether they have chromosomal disorders or disabilities, uh, but newborns who need parents. But there are a lot of kids waiting in the foster to adopt program as well. And as we have an opioid crisis, a substance abuse crisis, where more kids are being placed in foster care, those kids need homes and stable families. And so... Although we might want children who are genetically related to us or newborns you can get a whole fresh start, there are a lot of kids out there in Minnesota, uh, well over 500, who need homes and stable families. So that's one place where we can look uh, to really provide a service and a loving home to a child in need. So there's just a couple options that we can look at and think about in addressing those questions.
1: Great. Thanks, Jason. And before we go, we have just a few more minutes. We want to leave our listeners with some practical tips and action item that they can take. What do we have in this week's bricklayer segment?
0: Well, now that the legislative session is underway, you can very easily take action on a number of bills through the Minnesota Catholic Conference's Catholic Advocacy Network. Right now, if you go to mncatholic.org slash action center, you'll find an action alert for the Surrogacy Abuse Prevention Act. By simply typing in your relevant information, including your address, we connect you directly with your legislators. We provide a pre-crafted message that you can personalize. And with the click of the mouse, you can make your voice heard in the public arena. So it's an easy way to stay updated uh, on what's going on at the Capitol, but it also helps you overcome that challenge of not knowing what to say or when to say it. And that's what people are really nervous about. We find that they're really concerned about speaking with legislators because, well, they don't want to feel stupid or they're intimidated or they don't know all the ins and outs about an issue, so that creates a barrier for them to say anything at all. Um, Just because we don't do something perfectly, we can't make that the enemy of the good. But fortunately, Minnesota Catholic Conference provides this great resource, the Catholic Advocacy Network, to allow you to take action, join your voice to the voice of the bishops on important public policy issues going on at the Capitol. Again, mncatholic.org slash action center or just type in Catholic Advocacy Network into Google and you will be set up uh, to follow up what's going on at the Capitol this session. We also have a bill tracker on our website where you can identify bills of interest to the Minnesota Catholic Conference and see where they are in the legislative process. That's all the time we have for today on the Bridge Builder, but remember, you or your organization can become a sponsor of the Bridge Builder program. By doing so, you will help others bring the Catholic faith into the public arena. Becoming a sponsor of The Bridge Builder is a great opportunity for businesses and organizations to advertise. Let listeners know that you support bringing the Catholic faith into public life. For opportunities, contact our producer, Kit Cross, at our email, show at mncatholic.org. Again, that's show at mncatholic.org. Listeners, you can be a part of our show each week through our mailbag segment. Just send any of your comments or questions to show at mncatholic.org or connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Then tune in next week to find out if we include your question or comment. Remember, you can catch up on any past episodes of The Bridge Builder online at mncatholic.org slash podcast, or search for The Bridge Builder in your favorite podcast app. Thanks for tuning in today to The Bridge Builder. We'll be back again next week with another great guest, more of your comments and questions, and a new way for you to build bridges between faith and public life. I'm Jason Adkins of the Minnesota Catholic Conference, and for Kit Cross, our producer, thanks very much for listening, and God bless your name.